This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 275 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? It's okay. It's okay. It's cold here now. It is cold. I'm not complaining, but Cleveland was like, last week it was 90 degrees, and now this morning we had like a freeze. You're not wrong. Yeah, so cool, Cleveland. Well, how about just like a lovely fall for a little bit? Nope. It's got to jump right to it. (laughs) Be nice. Um, Do you want to tell people what we're doing today? We are offering up some more books for Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. We've done this three times previously this year. Um, So if you're not familiar with Book Riot, at the beginning of every year has a book challenge where they challenge you to read books maybe outside of your comfort zone a little bit. And so we put together, um, we go through the list and offer up some recommendations for um, the challenges on the list. I have them pulled up if you want me to go through what we've done. Sure. Okay. So we, like Jill said, we've done this three times this year so far because we actually said we were going to do this all year, and we have. So you're welcome. Uh, Episode 192 was the first one we did for all those who maybe are new listeners and are looking for some Read Harder stuff. Um, Because we're going to do four of these different challenges today. So we've been doing four of them every episode that we do. So Read Harder Challenge Part 1 was episode 192. And we did a book published posthumously. Still can't say the word. Posthumously, I believe. That is correct. We did a true crime. We did true crime books. We did a book set in or about the BRICS countries, which was Brazil. Oh boy, I don't remember what the BRICS what the BRICS ones are. Look it up. You guys can look it up. Uh, we did, and then we did a science fiction with a female protagonist written by a female author. So that was episode one ninety two. Episode two seventeen. We did a classic of genre fiction, a book you can read in one sitting, an essay anthology, and in a signed book you hated or didn't finish, which obviously is different for everybody. Um, And then in episode 245, we did books about nature, westerns, celebrity memoirs, and children's classics published before 1980, which I liked a lot. Um, So today... We are going to do a comic written or drawn by a person of color, the first book in a new-to-you-YA or middle-grade series, a mystery by a person of color or LGBTQ plus author, and then a book with a female protagonist over the age of 60, which is harder to find than, than it should be. Right. Um, okay, so for these ones on, on our monthly episodes, we tell each other what we don't tell each other what we're going to do, but these ones, I sent you mine just so that we don't have any correct <laughs> matches. Because if people are looking for Read Hard Challenge recommendations, it's probably not great if we're both like, here are the same two books from both of us. Correct. 
Um, before we do that, though, if people have feedback or if they're looking for recommendations that we don't mention on any of these episodes, where can they find us and, and do that? They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. There we have all of our links for our social, which is Twitter and Instagram, at ProBookNerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And our website also has links for our Viber community where you can come talk books with all sorts of different people, including us. Yeah, you sure can. Um, Okay, so the first one we are going to do, as I mentioned, sorry as I'm scrolling through things, is a comic written or drawn by a person of color. So how many of these did you grab? I have three. I have three for everything. Okay. All right. Do you want to start? Sure. My first one is Monstrous by Marjorie Liu. Um, This is a set in an alternate matriarchal 1900s Asia and is uh, originally imagined world of art deco inflected steampunk. (laughs) (laughs) Monstrous tells the story of a teenage girl who is struggling to survive the trauma of war and who shares a mysterious psychic link with a monster of tremendous power, a connection that will transform them both. Um, the art in this looks incredible. Yeah, so. I actually have read the first two, I think, of them, and they are. It's crazy how awesome it is. I I also recommend that one. It's really good. Um, but it was not on your official list. No, that was not on my official <laughs> list. I just, when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, I've read that this year. Uh, my first one is called Check, Please by Ngozi Ukazu, who will be on the podcast, actually, a little bit later this year. Uh, Check, Please, start, she has she wrote and did all the art for it. And Check, Please started as a digital comic that um, she put online, like, every single week and then um, started a Kickstarter and just because people told her that they wanted to purchase copies of it physically and all three of her kickstarters like set records for comics and and books on on kickstarter so it's really really cool it's very popular um it's all about a a queer young boy who is going to a school an all-male school to play hockey and like how he interacts with them and he loves baking and he's just he loves vlogging and he was previously a um a figure skater, so like he doesn't really fit in the world of hockey, but he's learning, and it's really good. It's really, really wonderful. So highly, highly recommend it. Uh, my next one is Bingo Love by T. Franklin, um, and then it's illustrated by uh, Jennifer, I think it's St. Ong. I'm actually not sure. Um, I think I've mentioned Bingo Love before, but we did not have it, but Overdrive has it now, so I was very excited when I saw it. Um, Bingo Love is about... Uh, two young black girls in the 1960s who meet um, and as they're growing up end up falling in love which does not go over very well with their families and so they are separated um, and then end up meeting later in life and it is adorable story (laughs) it is just oh my gosh Um, so that is bingo love sounds really good it's really cute I have a copy I'll let you borrow I would love that uh, my next one is, I actually have three of these. I goofed with my links, just FYI. What do you mean? I have three of the um, comics by... I do... Oh, no. Oh, you also do? I said that. I said I had three for all of them. You sure did say that. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, my next one is called MFK by Nyla Magruder. It's a fantastic adventure following the story of Abby, a deaf girl with a mysterious power who is traveling across a vast desert to scatter her mother's ashes. In a world of sleeping gods, a broken government, and a fragile peace held in the hands of the corrupt, 
one youth must find the strength to stand up against evil and humanity. Um, also, the art in this is equally beautiful as all the other things we've talked about so far. So that's MFK by Nyla Magruder. Um, all these are going to be in the show notes, but if you're looking for that one, it's MFK with um, like periods in between. So just an FYI. My last one is um, The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. It's so <laughs> awesome. I love that book. So Prince Sebastian is looking for a bride, or rather his parents are looking for one for him. Sebastian himself is too busy hiding his secret life from everyone. At night, he puts on daring dresses and takes Paris by storm as the fabulous Lady Cristalia, the hottest fashion icon in the world uh, in the world capital of fashion. Um, and he is best friend of the dressmaker who helps make his dresses for him. Um it just, I think everything about this is fabulous. It rules. I love it so much. So that's the prince and the dressmaker. Uh, my last one of these is called Malice in Ovenland. Come on, I can't not do an Alice. <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't not do a Alice in Wonderland adjacent one. Um, so Lily Brown is a bright, curious, energetic young girl from Queens. She lives with her mom and loves reading and writing and spending time with her friends. But she hates cleaning. <laughs> Me too. Me too, Lily. So when her mom forces her to stay home from the su- for the summer instead of going off to some fun soccer camp or riding camp, Lily fumes. She wanted excitement and adventure. She didn't want to do chores. Little did she know that the greasy oven in the kitchen was going to give her more excitement and adventure than she could possibly handle. Um, the art on this looks like a cross between um, like Ren and Stimpy and like Mario. It's really, like, one of the main bad guys looks like like Bowser, and it's very, very fun. Um, so it's Malice in Ovenland by, I think it's Michelin Hess is the name of the author, or Michelin. Either way. Um, okay, next one. First book in a new-to-you YA or middle-grade series. My first one is The Penderwicks by Jean Birdsall. Um the, this summer, the Penderwick sisters have a wonderful surprise. A holiday on the grounds of a beautiful estate called, I think it's Arendelle. Soon they are busy, busy discovering the summertime magic of Arendelle's sprawling gardens, treasure-filled attic, tame rabbits, and the cook who makes the best gingerbread in Massachusetts. But the best discovery of all is Gen- Jeffrey Tifton, son of Arendelle's owner, who quickly proves to be the perfect companion for their adventures. The icy-hearted Mrs. Tifton does not as pleased with the Penderwicks as Jeffrey is, though, and warns the new friends to stay out of trouble. Which, of course, they will, won't they? One thing's for sure, it will be a summer the Penderwicks will never forget. Deliciously nostalgic and quaintly witty, this is a story as breezy and carefree as a summer day. It just sounds really cute. It does sound really cute. Reminds me of, like, the kids from um, Finding Neverland a little bit. But oh, yeah. Peter mm-hmm. with Jam Berry. Yep. So my first one of these is Beasts Made of Night by Tochi Onyabuchi. Uh, So this is a story that takes place in the walled city of Kos. There's a corrupt, uh, these corrupt magis can magically call forth sin from a sinner in the form of sin beasts. These are like lethal creatures that come from their sin and their guilt. And um, if they aren't eaten up by these young sin eaters, then they basically can just destroy whatever they're going to do. So there's this young sin eater named Taj, um, and he's indentured to be a sin eater. 
Um, but basically, the more of these sin beasts that these sin eaters eat, they get these tattoos that are like basically forming that beast on their body. And eventually, your entire skin um, is covered up with these, and you end up dying. Or they're driven mad, one of the two. But Taj has this unique ability to um, not uh, go crazy, and he's just like he's basically the most talented sin eater out there. And he's also trying to figure out how to stop all of this horrible, corrupt, you know, world from happening. So, um, cool thing about this is if you read it and you enjoy it, um, if you if you read uh, Akata Witch or Children of Blood and Bone this year. Um, you will absolutely love this. Also, if you're a fan of like Black Panther. Um, and the cool thing is, if you like this book, the second book of the duology actually comes out today at time of recording, um, which is really cool. And there is a podcast called First Draft, which uh, tweets about, tweets at us a bunch, and they're wonderful. And uh, Toji is on their podcast like this week. So there's a whole bunch of ways you can interact with this book if you want to. So highly recommend it. It's called Beasts Made of Night. And it's wonderful. And the cover is gorgeous. I have The Bells by Donnell Clayton. So this is a um, first book in a series about um, the opulent world of Orleans, where bells are revered for they control beauty, and beauty is a commodity coveted above all else in Orleans. So when the people are born gray, they are born damned and only with the help of a bell and her talents can they transform and be made beautiful. But it's not enough for Camilla to be just a bell. She wants to be the favorite one as chosen by the queen to live in the royal palace. But um, as Camilla finds out more about this world and how it all works, she finds out um, there's a lot of secrets and a lot of lies happening. And uh, I'm just all about all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... I'm friends with Danielle, even though I've never spoke to her because she's best friends with Zoraida Cordova. Yeah, she is very instrumental in a lot of the We Need Diverse books. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of, um, I know she she works as um, sensitivity reader type thing. Mm-hmm. I know like freelance for a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, she's a big name in the YA world. Yeah, and just because, again, like, because she's best friends with Zoraida Cordova, who I am not friends with thanks to the podcast and like, all of Zoraida's Instagram stories are the two of them traveling places together. So I feel like I, like, <laughs> I know about her and, like, are, like, buddies, even though we've never interacted sure, or spoke. Sure, sure. That's all right. Not creepy at all. I can't wait till someday she's on the podcast and I have to explain that to her. And she's going to be like, okay, um, have a good day. Pretty much. <laughs> um, my next one is called Strange Fire by Tommy Wallach. Um, this is... A super unique story that I was not expecting to get as much out of as I did. Um, a really great way to describe it is Oregon Trail meets Westworld. So, Jill. What? Yep. Uh, okay. I, exactly. Yeah. So, it's the first What's it book. called again? <laughs> it's called Strange Fire. Um, so, they said that the first generation of man was brought low by its appetites for knowledge, for power, for wealth. They said mankind's veracity was so great, the Lord sent his own daughter to bring fire and devastation to the world. The survivors were few, but over the course of centuries, they banded together to form a new civilization, the Descendancy. Uh, founded on the belief that the mistakes of the past must never be repeated, brothers Clive and Clover, the sons of a well-respected descendant minister, have spent their lives spreading the gospel. But when their traveling ministry discovers a community intent on rediscovering the blasphemous technologies of the past... A chain of events will be set in motion that will pit city against city and brother against brother. So it's like, it's hard to understand. This isn't a spoiler because you'll definitely know, you'll think about this throughout. 
um, the entire book if you're reading it. It's really hard to tell if, like, this is set in the past or if it's set in, like, a long time future from now where they used to know about technology or, like, what... It's really, really interesting and really confusing, but in a good way. I um, I haven't had a chance to, to dive into the second one yet. I'm actually not even sure if the second one is out. Um, but it is super interesting. It's called Strange Fire. Okay, so this was the New to Me series. I have not read To All the Boys I've Loved Before in that whole series. There you go. So there you go. So for those that don't know, the Netflix series To All to all the Boys I Loved Before is actually based on a book, um, which is part of a series. So it sounds really cute. It, yeah, it is. Uh, my wife, Alex, read them and really, really likes them. So that's it's new to me. Yeah, totally fair. I'm counting it. Yeah. Um, the last one of these I have is You Don't Know My Name by... Kristen Orlando. I read this because we did interviews with the people from the Fierce Reads tour a couple, I think two years ago or last year at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, She was supposed to be on the tour, but she couldn't be because she got sick. So we never really talked about it. But there is this high school student who is basically like, um, she's a normal high school student, but she's also like a spy for the CIA. And like, um, it's her parents were these spies in this top secret agency called the Black Angels and then like she's been trained to be very much in the same vein and like my wife and I have been watching a lot of The Blacklist lately and so this feels very much on point with that or like any like shows like NCIS or all those types of things. It's really fun. It's a really quick read. Um, I believe the second one is also out now. Um, but if you're already really into like spies or like mystery and like suspense type things um, this is really fun. So it's called You Don't Know My Name by Kristen Orlando. Is that all of yours? That's all of mine of those, okay. yeah. So you want to go to the next one? Sure. So go the on. next one we have is A Mystery by a Person of Color or LGBTQ plus author. So my first one of this is um, A Study in Scarlet Women by the Chinese-American author Sherry Thomas. This is the Lady Sherlock series about Charlotte Holmes. Um, Charlotte has never felt comfortable with the demureness expected of the fair sex and upper class society, but even she never thought that she would become a social pariah, an outcast fending for herself on the mean streets of London. When the city is struck by a trio of unexpected deaths and suspicions fall on her sister and her father, Charlotte is desperate to find the true culprits and clear the family name. She'll have help from friends new and old, um, but in the end, it will be up to Charlotte under the assumed name Sherlock Holmes to challenge society's expectations and match wits against an unseen mastermind. Hmm. That sounds really good. I know. Um, that also falls in line with my current reading of all the Hercule Poirot books, which I just finished another one this morning. Plowing through, guys. Keeping you updated. They're so good. They're so, I so good. I love Hercule. I'm so bad at, as a quick aside, the only problem I have with them is I'm terrible with large casts of characters in books, and all of them have large casts of characters, <laughs> and I'm listening to all of them, so if I, like, zone out for 30 seconds, they'll introduce, like, a new doctor or, like, a nephew, and I'll, like, sort of miss what they are, and then, I'm, and then in his big reveal at the end, I'm like, of course it was one of those people that I had no idea who you're talking about. So are you just, like, listening to all of them? Just all mm-hmm. the Hercule books? Yeah, but here's the thing. I'm... Borrowing them as they become available from our library. They're like, not in order. Anything? They're not in order. No, I, the second one I read matters, was the last though. one. It doesn't. The only thing that matters is like they'll reference um, like Hastings and Poirot oh. will like reference like I remember that time back in 
Egypt. Yeah, but honestly, I think. Oh well, all right. It's not really that important. Like it doesn't talk about. But I feel like they do that even in. I feel like in some of the you know, the really early ones, he's referencing stuff that never actually. Yeah. That she wrote. So I think it's. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Egypt one's a little on the nose, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like they are all. They're all formulaic in the sense that it's like they're all like three hundred pages. And, like, the first, like, 50 pages sets up where you're at and who are the cast of characters. And then the next 100 pages is, like, the what happened, like, what was the murder. And then there's the discovery where Poirot gets really frustrated because he can't find the one thing that he's looking for. And then he finds it, and then he doesn't tell anyone, and then he does the big reveal. And then he does the closing where he explains the big reveal to Hastings. It's, like, they're all the same, but I don't care. They're so wonderful. So, anyway, that was an aside. All to say that I'm bad at large character uh, Sits. My first one of these is Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. This was the winner of the Lam- Lambda Literary Pioneer Award. Uh, it's a landmark coming-of-age novel that launched the career of one of this country's most distinctive voices. Ruby Fruit Jungle remains a transformative work more than 40 years after its original publication. In body-moving prose, Rita Mae Brown tells the story of Molly Bolt, the adoptive daughter of a, of a dirt-poor southern couple who boldly forges her own path in America. With her startling beauty and crackling wit, Molly finds that women are drawn to her wherever she goes, and she refuses to apologize for loving them back. This literary milestone continues to resonate with its message about being true to yourself and against the odds living happily ever after. Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. Um, my next one is Long Black Veil by Jennifer Finney Boylan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a good book. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Funny story. I got an arc of this when I first started here that I never got around to reading, but I know you know who Jennifer is. Um, but after reading this description again, I was like, how did I not read this? <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty Jill book. I know. I'm reading this description, and I'm just like, how did I not read this <laughs> two years ago? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So we're going to be putting it on hold soon. Um, on a warm <laughs> on a warm August night in 1986, college students sneak into the dilapidated ruins of Pen- uh, Philadelphia's Eastern State Penitentiary looking for a thrill. I mean, right there. I know. I know. With a pianist, a painter, and a teacher among them, the friends are full of potential. But it's not long before they realize they are locked in and not alone. When the friends get lost and separated, the terrifying night ends in tragedy, and the unexpected, far-reaching consequences reverberate through the survivors' lives. As they go their separate ways trying to move on, it becomes clear that their dark night in the prison has changed them all. Decades later, new evidence is found, and the dogged detective investigating the cold case charges one of them with murder. Um, Only uh, celebrity chef Casey's old friend Judith can testify to his innocence, but she's protecting long-held secrets of her own, secrets that, if brought to to light, could destroy her career as a travel writer and tear her away from her fireman, husband, and teenage son. If she chooses to help Casey, she risks losing the life she's fought to build and the woman she has struggled to become. And any life that contains a before and an after, how is it possible to live one life, not two? We've weaving deftly between 1980 and the present day and told in an unforgettable voice, Long Black Veil is an intensely atmospheric thriller that explores the meaning of identity, loyalty, and love. Like how I, know. I, I still don't understand how I have not how read you it. haven't read this. I know. Yeah, that's okay. <clears throat> My next one is Speakers of the Dead by J. Aaron Sanders. Uh, Speakers of the Dead is a mystery novel centering around the n- investigative exploits of a young Walt Whitman, in which the reporter come poet navigates the seedy underbelly of New York City's body snatching industry 
in an attempt to exonerate his friend of a wrongful, uh, wrongful murder charge. Um, also feels pretty Poirot-y. <laughs> um, I do like that this has a bunch of, like, I love when people take um, historical characters, of like actual historical characters, and put them into fiction like this. Just historical fiction is so much fun. So, um, like, there's Samuel Clement is in this, and a bunch of other authors and stuff. It's just really, it seems really interesting, and I'm very much on board. So that is Speakers of the Dead by J. Aaron Sanders. Uh, my third and last one is The Widows of Malabar Hill by uh, Sujata Massey. This is set in 1920s India. And um, Praveen Mystery, Bombay's first female lawyer, is investigating a suspicious will on behalf of three Muslim widows living in full Purdue when the case takes a turn towards the murderers. So, um, yeah, 1920s India. Mm-hmm. There's another one. There's. Oh, I shoot. think it's part of a series too. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. That's okay. That's why it sounds really familiar. It probably is. So my last one of these is the Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter. Uh, the Monkey's Mask is. It's really unique. It's a crime thriller, but it's a crime thriller told through poetry. Um, so it's where high art meets low life, passion meets betrayal, and poetry faces profanity on the streets of a harsh modern city. Um, so it. It's actually been adapted to stage and radio and it's a movie but it's just really interesting the way that it's told again it's this like noir murdery crime thriller but it's told all through poetry so um, that's The Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter Um, so our last one of the four is a book with a female protagonist over the age of 60 I technically only have two of these but one note that I put to you in, in our show note like our ahead of time notes um, speaking of Agatha Christie, any Miss Marple mystery will work if you aren't a Poirot fan, if you're a Marple fan. Any of those will work because she's over 60. So I only have two of these, so I'll let you start. Okay. I have The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, um, which is about a legendary film actress who is reflecting on her uh, restless rise to the top and the risks she took, the love she lost, and the long-held secrets the public could never imagine. I'm a fan of old Hollywood. You got, like, an aging, reclusive Hollywood icon. <laughs> I mean, what's not to like about this? I've talked about it in the past, but are you listening to the You Must Remember This podcast? No, I'm very behind on all of my podcasts. When, we, when we're done recording, I'm going to talk to you about the most recent season. Okay. It's so I'm very behind on all of them. I'm oh. sure it is, it's but... It's so up, especially, like, the new one that just came out this week. It's so up your ass. It's all about the, like, wives of Howard Hughes. <gasps> yeah. Okay, I would down for that. I know. I know. I just... There's, like, a lot of podcasts to listen to out there in the world. I know. People should only listen to this one. <laughs> you guys can't see, Jules. I don't have time for your face, but that was the face I just got. Okay, so my first of the two of these is The Night Guest by Fiona. Did I not see that on your list? I don't think so. The Night Guest by Fiona <laughs> McFarlane. Okay, apparently I did not read Adam's list close enough. It's okay. So Ruth is widowed, her sons are grown, and she lives in an isolated beach house outside of town. Her routines are few and small. (laughs) One day a stranger arrives at her door, looking as if she has been blown in from sea. This woman, Frida, claims to be a care worker sent by the government. Ruth lets her in, and now that Frida is in her house, is Ruth right to fear the tiger she hears on the prowl at night? 
far from its jungle habitat. Why do memories of childhood in Fiji press upon her with increasing urgency? How far can she trust this mysterious woman, Frida, who seems to carry with her her own troubled past? Hypnotic, uh, the hip, sorry. Uh, and how far can Ruth trust herself? Sorry. The Night Guest, a hypnotic first novel, is no simple tale of crime committed and mystery solved. This is a tale that soars above its own suspense to tell us, with exceptional grace and beauty, about aging, love, trust, dependence, and fear. That's The Night Guest by Fiona McFarlane, and apparently it's so good that Joe and I both forgot to recommend it. Fun fact, I apparently only have two bucks this time for this that, one, because okay. I did not... Well, what's your other one? I'm going to laugh if your other uh, one is the one that I It's not. That one I noticed. Somehow I did not read the, like, I read the Miss Marple line, and I read your last one, but I somehow mm. missed the line in the middle <laughs> with, your, <laughs> <laughs> with that book. Um, my last one is um, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, which is a novel by Ernest J. Gaines that came out in the 1970s. It is about a um, black woman who has lived 110 years, who has been both a slave and a witness to the black uh, militancy of the 1960s. And so this novel is sort of a story. um, I mean, it is a novel, but it's a story of this woman, um, Miss Jane Pittman. And I think it just, I think um, in a book that sort of, traverses a very long life of um, a, a black woman and everything she would have seen in 110 years is it seems very timely mm-hmm. and important right now yeah I would say that, that would be true uh, my last one is Lillian Boxfish takes a walk I act full disclosure I haven't read this yet I just borrowed it this morning though because I want to um, so this is super interesting in the 1930s New York Jill, this is 1930s New York, just FYI, if you want to read this. Uh, Lillian Boxfish took the world by storm. Uh, she worked her way up writing copy for R.H. Macy's to become the highest paid advertising woman in the country. It was a job that, she says, in some ways saved her life and in other ways ruined it. Um, so now it's 1984 and, and she's 85 years old. And she's as sharp as savvy as ever and she's on her way to a party um, it's chilly enough out for her mink coat, and Manhattan is grittier now. Her sons keep warning her about the subway vigilante on the prowl. Um, but the quick-tongued po- quick poetress has never been one to scare easily. So instead what she does is she takes a walk, and it uh, takes her over 10 miles across the city, and she meets bartenders and bodega clerks and security guards and criminals and all sorts of people. And she's basically going back and like reviewing her life that she's lived in New York and um, all the things that... New York has changed her in all the ways that it hasn't changed. So it just seems very um, interesting to listen to a story about someone who has seen New York change in all these different ways. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really interested. So that's Lillian Boxfish Takes a Walk. Okay, that's all of them, right? Yeah. That's everything we got? Okay, cool. Um, So those are four more uh, Read Harder Challenge challenges that yeah. we've helped you tackle mm-hmm. again if you want more recommendations just shoot us in a message we're happy to help uh, anything else you want to chat about i don't think so i don't think so either okay cool all right well i hope you guys uh find these helpful and i hope you enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. 
You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.